Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by SeatGeek. That is our presenting sponsor. Hey, there's this league called the National Basketball Association. Team from Boston happens to be playing very well in that league right now. For $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on tickets to the National Basketball Association, all you have to do is use promo code BSNBA. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. We're also brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision, get a real mortgage approval in minutes, adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to get started. Go to rocketmortgage.com slash Bill Simmons, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Speaking of the Ringer Podcast Network, we launched the J.J. Reddick podcast this week. He did his first one with Joel Embiid. It stayed at number one on iTunes over offer over 24 hours. Good job by you, J.J. Sorry about the uh, the butt kicking your Sixers got last night in Boston. Apologize. Felt bad after your great podcast performance. But you can subscribe to that one now, and you can also uh, refresh your subscription to Binge Mode because it came back. It is now a weekly podcast. It was a great week for our podcast network. It was also a great week for The Ringer. We announced today, you can read the the interview I did with The Hollywood Reporter, that we launched a film division called Ringer Films that is going to concentrate on documentaries, shorts, uh, non-scripted stuff, podcast, non-fiction podcast stuff, a whole bunch of things. I can I can barely speak. Uh so you can check out that interview. You can also check out the world premiere of the first trailer of our Andre the Giant doc that we did with HBO Sports and WWE, directed by Jason Ayer. It is on TheRinger.com. 30 seconds. You'll recognize a voice. It's the voice of David Shoemaker, one of, uh, one of the Ringer's OGs, as well as the host of the Mass Man podcast and the Press Box podcast. He's the one talking during the Andre trailer. So anyway, check that out. Big day for us. Very excited about Ringer Films. Very excited. It's phase three of what we're trying to do as a company. And uh, and we are excited to get back in that space. Obviously, it's part of my DNA. Going back to the 30 for 30 days and 30 for 30 shorts and all the stuff we did at Grantland. Very excited to get back in that space and work with some some awesome people and figure out where it goes. So there you go. Coming up, part two of the Steve Kerr mailbag, which we taped on Tuesday night, which has some great ones in it. He was awesome. And then uh, we're also going to have the ringer's Mike Lombardi is going to come on, and he's going to talk about late bloomer QBs, Super Bowl favorites. Can the Pats really make the Super Bowl again? whole bunch of stuff. That's coming up later, but first, Pearl Jam. Wolf from Washington wants to know, what are the keys to creating a winning culture within the locker room? Is there anything you learned from the most challenging locker room you had from a chemistry perspective that you were able to make work with your locker room? Yeah, that's a good question. For the, the, the key to any locker room is not the culture that you try to create. It's the people that are in the locker room to start with. Right. 
All right. So if if you have good guys, then then shaping that culture becomes an easier job. I, I, frankly, for me, it's a pretty easy job um, because yeah. our guys are fantastic and they're 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 team guys. They want to compete. They want to play together. They want each other to do well. So now it becomes easy. The challenge becomes when you when you've got guys who are just not not buying committed. In. And I don't, yeah. I don't know if it's possible to create a culture when you have guys who aren't going to commit. But you've talked about the Steve Kerr two knucklehead theory. You can right. have the one. You can have one. Yeah. I think I wrote about this in my book. You so can Jeff have one, Van but Gundy, the two it's hang out. It's a Jeff Van Gundy theory. Oh, he gave a, I'm it sorry, me. Jeff Van Gundy. Yeah. He said, uh, yeah. The two hang out, and they end yeah. up poisoning yeah. everything. That's right. That's right. Um, Danny from Phoenix wants to know, when Draymond starts seeing red, do you even say anything to try to get him to calm down? Is there anything, is there anything you do? It's been an or interesting. just let him go? Yeah, it's been an interesting... Uh, sort of development over the last few years. The first year, we would just yell and scream at each other. I would scream at him to calm down. Then I kind of realized he needed the outlet. He needed to be angry to play well. Uh, so then I backed off. Um, now we know each other so well. It's like we're like family. You know? Right. So it's You're like, like the dad. Yeah, well, yeah, or I don't know, or, or maybe more like a brother, like an older brother or something. He knows that I've seen a lot in the NBA. He respects um, my experience in the league. He yeah. knows that I care about him. He also knows that uh, that I, I don't have all the answers and that he might have the right answer. And so we collaborate a lot. Um, hmm. It's more of a collaboration now than it ever has been. Yeah. Um, but I try, to, I try to keep him moving forward in the right direction all the time. With an allowance for, you know, the occasional blow-up because he needs it. This would be funny like eight days from now when you guys have to be separated yeah. on the sidelines. <laughs> it's coming. Steve it's was coming. just talking about it. Uh, Ryan from Maple Shade, New Jersey, wants to know, are you jealous that TJ McConnell is going to shatter all of your white guard from Arizona <laughs> NBA records? There were some? I didn't know those existed. <laughs> I don't know, who else? Who were you competing with the white guard from Arizona? Who else was yeah. in that mix? You must own all of them. Yeah, just you better watch out for this TJ McConnell. You should trade for him and then just bury him on the bench. <laughs> Never let him do anything. Uh, this is a weird question I had to ask, though. Adrian Castro wants to know, could Draymond win a season of Survivor if none of the other competitors knew who he was? I'm going to say no. I think the lack uh, of food would eventually break him. He's I, tall. I, tall people can't not eat for I'm 40 not, days. I'm not a Survivor person, but I know that the other Survivors can vote that person off. Yeah. Oh, he'd get voted off so fast. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be gone. You got it three days, episodes. Out of there, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is a good one from John Marquez. Which team has the worst visiting locker room? Oh, this is one. the kind of insight we need in the yeah, BS Philly, podcast. Philly, we were there last week. Uh, there's these huge pillars, uh, two pillars in the middle of the locker room. What? Yeah, so you um, you try to get up to talk to the team, and you can't see anybody. You can see half the guys; the other half are in the in the back behind these pillars. And it's like you're peering around the edge to try to give this motivational speech. Hey guys, we gotta. Where, where are you? Are you? Hey, hey, come come over this way. I mean, so you think it's strategic? No, I think it's it's just poorly poorly <laughs> poor architecture. Yeah. Kang Sen Kim wants to know your best story from your time on the O one O two Blazers. Oh man! Wow! I don't even know how you can narrow it down yeah. to one best story. Yeah, did you a, block all that out of your mind, or is? Uh, I, I think the my favorite stories are actually Zach Randolph stories. Yeah, um, 
I'm the biggest Zach fan on earth. Still in I the love league. That guy. He's amazing. He's got a heart of gold. When we got him, he was an absolute puppy. He yeah. spent one year at Michigan State. The stewardess on our plane used to call him the baby. So he would sit in this compartment with uh, Chris Dudley and me. And, you know, Dudley and I were both like at the very end of our careers. Yeah. Zach is just starting. He has no idea about the league. Um, you know, he's sitting in this compartment and wide-eyed wondering what the hell's going on. And about th- maybe two weeks into the season, no, probably a month into the season. So it's like at this point, it's like late November. You can tell he's just exhausted. And he goes, hey, guys, when do we get to go home for Christmas? <laughs> and I, I look at Duds and I'm like, why don't you take this one, Chris? Yeah. You know? And these questions came all year. Like yeah. he was so naive. And now you look at him, he's like he was like a pillar in the community in Memphis. He's done yeah. so much good. He's made so much out of his life. He's one of the guys who I point to and think, you know, look what he's made of his life. Look what basketball has done for him. Yeah. And look how he's used basketball to to better his community. Like that he's one of the great success stories that I've ever been around. And so when you see him, is it always like oh, Saw him last night. We yeah. played Sacramento, and we always share a you know a hug and a and a smile and just that you know the the nod that comes with being former teammates. You know, and God. I love that guy. Who would have thought he would be the leader in year yeah. eighteen on veteran leader on a random team? Um, Rich from Seattle wants to know how much did you get paid to go to Arizona? <laughs> I don't think he's an I Arizona fan. <laughs> I had to pay them to take me. Uh, uh, ben wants to know. Why should the NBA ban PEDs at all? Why not let these adults put in their bodies whatever chemicals they want as long as it doesn't violate the law? Interesting. I would, uh, I would say spirit of competition would be a reason. Spirit of competition is one. Health is another. And um, yeah. obviously, um, you know, there's ongoing studies about, you know, health risks and all this stuff. But I, I think spirit of competition is, a big, is yeah. the big one. Lance Curry wants to know, do you think Jordan would still be revered in this day and age with social media and the 24-7 talking head news cycle? Oh, wow. What a, what a great question. Um, I don't, is anybody revered anymore no. in this modern time? It, no. it, it, it's, I, we have this discussion with our coaching staff all the time. Um, this is the weirdest time to be alive. And what seemed 10 years ago, like if, you're, if you follow – you know, international news, you know, the Arab Spring happens, the Arab countries are being liberated by Twitter and sharing information. And what seemed like this amazing invention that was going to liberate the world now suddenly seems to have flipped into the exact opposite realm where um, we have propaganda and we have um, misinformation and we have smearing and, and everybody's just blasting each other. And there just doesn't seem to be any good news at all during the day. And um, so, the, I, yeah, Michael would, would have been d- destroyed in this modern... Imagine, era. like, the first time he was caught at the Atlantic City Casino the day before a playoff game. Yeah. They would have been destroyed. like... A, Stephen A. would have been screaming. Stephen A. would have gone nuts. You know, why wasn't he asleep You cannot be in a casino! <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, Anthony D. wants you to know... Steve Kerr's audible, you're fucking unbelievable, and the celebration after the MJ shot yeah. in 98 was the first time I ever heard an F-bomb on network TV. Not a question. Just wanted Steve to know that. My brother pointed that out to me the next day. It's a phenomenal TV moment. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I, I mean, you summed it up. It was like LeGarrette Blunt when Brady and Belichick at the Super Bowl last year. And he was just like, you're fucking unbelievable. He was, just, he was basically the same thing. But yeah. that's kind of the reaction that was needed. Yeah. This is a good one from Devin. Top five shooting strokes of all time. Go. Ooh. Um, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. Those, guys, those come to good mind one. immediately. Smart. Uh, Ray Allen, Reggie Miller. Reggie uh, Miller, interesting. Yeah. And, and I, I should say this. Um, Reggie did, does not did not have a pure classic stroke like Clay Thompson. Yeah, Reggie's was a little more like Steph's. Had a little left thumb in it. Had yeah. some like there was a rhythm thing that was very unique to himself, um, but just ridiculous range. And um, I had probably Larry Bird. I, I you know I, and oh, I know I'm missing. That was nice. That was just for you. That was nice. The, the, the problem with these questions, especially you know rapid fires, I'm automatically get older, yeah. missing out on you know five people who are going to totally be offended. Uh, I've had that problem so. lately with when I get asked questions like that and I know there's more in my brain yeah, yeah, that yeah. I can't access it. But Mike Miller, I was, I was, Miller. was the underrated one for that question. Yeah. I yeah. like Bradley Beal's jump shot. Beautiful. I would grab that one on eBay if it was available. You know who's, you know who's highly underrated in the, uh, the annals of, of uh, shooting fame is Eddie Johnson. I played with him in oh, Phoenix. Yeah. My rookie, you're one of the most pure strokes I've ever seen. And, um, Amazing shooting mentality, too. Like, he didn't care. Yeah. He was just going to shoot. He was one of those 21 points in 22 minutes guys. Yeah. 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 I, I think love he those scored 20,000 points. Like, he was one of those guys who nobody really remembers but was just an unbelievable scorer yeah. this time. We're going to take a quick break to talk about Tipsy Elves. Once upon a time, Christmas Day 2012, Jalen Rose and I once wore ugly Christmas sweaters on national TV. We wanted the whole NBA countdown uh the, the whole set to wear them. Guess who didn't want to wear them? Magic Johnson and Michael Wilbon. They didn't want to ruin their wardrobe game. We didn't care. Jalen and I, we wore them. There's photos online. Ugly Christmas sweaters. It was great. You know what, though? It was hard to find one. If you want bragging rights for the most talked about sweater at your Christmas parties, listen up. Tipsy Elves has hundreds of Christmas sweater designs that are like nothing you've ever seen before. Check out their all-new 2017 collection. You will not find them anywhere else. They're all about fun, but serious on quality and construction. For men, three-piece Christmas suits, interactive sweaters, hilarious holiday tees for women, holiday leggings, sweater dressings, cozy adult onesies, specific sizing for men and women. But really, it's about the sweaters. Right now, my listeners get 20% off tipsyelves.com. It's tipsy, E-L-V-E-S.com. When you use my code BS at checkout, that's 20% off anything you order on the site. Shop now so you have it in time for your ugly Christmas sweater party. Go to tipsyelves.com and enter my code BS at checkout to get your 20% site-wide discount. Back to the Steve Kerr mailbag. Um, Nick Modlin wants to know, what do you think of the one-and-done rule? I don't like it. I'd like to see it changed. Um, Two-and-done or zero-and-done? Do you remember I wrote a column for you at Grantland about 10 years ago? And, and, it was at uh, least five, yeah. It was, uh, was that, how long ago was it? it 2011. Okay, so yeah. like six years ago. Yeah, and I argued for two and done, I think. Two and done. Uh, but I've changed my mind on that. Um, oh. I think players should be able to come out of high school and go to the league. The, league, the D League, now the G League, is so much more developed now. I think players should be able to bypass college, go right to the pros. If it's a LeBron, Kobe type, go right in and play. 
Um, and if not, go to the G League. And there's got to be some balance in there where we figure out a way to develop these kids who don't want to go to college, but we give them a chance to make some money and play. But but and by the, the way, that's a good business move because if the G League, if, even if they put a little more money for player and payroll and all that stuff in the G League, I would probably watch the yeah, G League. Yeah, you're going to see more talent. If Marvin Bagley or whoever yeah. from this year was actually in the G League right yeah, now, I yeah. would probably watch the G League. But I'd want to see... Tate's nodding happily. But I'd want to see... The thought of Marvin Bagley not on Duke. Tate's yeah, happy about... He's UNC. Right? I'm not allowed to talk. Yeah, yeah, I know you're not. But, uh, no, but, but the only way that works to me is if you... On the flip side, eliminate the one and done, meaning you can go right out of high school. The baseball rule, basically. Yeah, the baseball yeah. is three three years, right? Yeah, I and think I you do two for this. Maybe two for the NBA would be better, but I would like to see that for for both college basketball and the NBA. I think, and I know Adam Silver is already having a lot of discussions internally. I think it's something that needs to be done and will be done, and they're they're really looking at it closely. It would be fascinating if you could pick if you could pick a player. And he could either go right in the G League or you just wait two years and then you get him after the two years. You know, yeah, yeah. basically, you could stash the guy in college, but you just wouldn't get anything from your draft pick. I, I don't so know. There's mean, a lot of variations. You draft him and then he goes to college. Like last year, you draft, uh, let's call him Marvin Hagley. <laughs> you draft Marvin Hagley. And then he's like, I'm actually going to college. And now right. you have that guy stashed, almost like how when Rubio went to Spain. Or Bird. You remember or Bird? Or Bird, Bird yes, got drafted and went to one more year to school. But th- that's the whole point of this discussion is that there's, like, these huge issues that have to be ironed out. I think what happened to Ben Simmons should have made people change the rule. He's at LSU for seven months. The whole thing was stupid. He was on the wrong team and basically wasted a year of basketball that now you watch, you played him. Yeah, Ten days ago, the guy's unbelievable. Well, and, and it's he's like, just—he's one of many. I mean, yeah, uh, that many examples of this that you could you could uh, state. And I, I think, ideally, what would happen is the guys who were like Ben Simmons, ready to play right away, or LeBron, you know, they go. The guys who aren't quite ready end up spending a couple of years in college and really develop. And the guys who you know are kind of in between, who don't want to go to school, they don't have to go to school. I mean, it. There, there's it, something makes sense about all that if we can figure out you know how to junior hockey as a committee they what? basically you have to apply to enter the highest league when you're like 15 oh, or right? 16 yeah and then the committee and then decides the committee is like yeah you're amazing oh, wow. you're in I didn't know that, that would be fun like lebron in 2003 clearly should have just gone to the nba he's probably ready in 2009 <laughs> He was 13. 13. Uh, what was it? 2003. Yeah. Nin- I mean, 1999. Yeah. He was probably ready, right? It was freshman in high school. This is great. Aaron Zabel wants to know, all these years later, do you stand by the decision in Phoenix to pull the trigger on the Shaq deal? Uh, in, in retrospect, it, it was a bad move. Was- oh, I, I'm surprised. No, I, I would have thought you would have defended it. No, no, no. No, I mean, I'm not. Wow. I'm not in the... I'm not. I'm not here to like. I'm not. You know, I'm not saying defend it because you made it. Yeah, yeah. No, I actually bad. thought it was really bad trade. Well, we went for it. We we swung for the fences, but we disrupted what we had built. You know, and, right? And we we made it out of. Uh, we made it for the wrong reasons. We, we a know, little bit of it was financial, right? You, no, the Marians, no, it was, no, it was not financial because we picked up Shaq's deal, which was enormous. But wasn't it? Didn't it cut that first year? It cut. No, you he had, had the same number of years as yeah. Marion, so okay. it was not a financial deal. It was a swing for the fences deal, and and in you know I was a young GM. Um, it was it's the kind of move that 
Yeah, you go for it, but you're compromising sort of the long-term health of the franchise. And, yeah. and that was the mistake. They, 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 the reasons for making it were not sound. We knew we weren't good enough to win the whole thing. We had been in it for several years, um, kept losing to the Spurs. Um, but it was, you know, it was a rushed sort of home run swing that we struck out with. And, you know, we went for it, which is admirable. But I, th- I just think we compromised kind of. So you learned a lesson identity. from that one. Yeah. I did. I still think if Tim Duncan misses that stupid three he made in game one, you might have eh. won that series. Best team always wins, I think, in the in a wow, seven. He's out series. on the Shaq trade. Yeah. Shocked by this <laughs> one. Ty Carter wants to know when you look at a box score after a game win or lose, what are the first three numbers you look for? Uh I look at the opponent's field goal percentage, our assists, and our turnovers. Those are the three numbers. So like if we, uh, I tell our guys all the time, if we defend and we take care of the ball, we win, and it's generally the case. And um, and so those three numbers usually tell the story. Favorite NBA road city to grab a post game meal in? That's from Ben in Michigan. Uh, Bonus points if you have a favorite restaurant on the road. Also from Ben in Michigan. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm talking, it's. Eleven o'clock at night. Yeah, so I'm going to give you like the obvious answers are like Miami, Prime One Twelve. Right, right, right. I right. mean, everybody knows like certain cities or whatever. I'm going to give you a really off the beaten path recommendation. Um, we go to Salt Lake City. We play yeah. jazz. There's a place called Valters. Okay. And we rent the place out after games. Assuming we're staying in town uh, overnight, we rent the place out. We have a team meal there. We've done it the last few years. The place is phenomenal. Valters. I'm going to have a follow-up question that I'm giving you. Popovich, when he's in town, he always asks the former Spurs, who are still part of the family, to go out to dinner. So I remember I did Countdown once with Avery Johnson, and Avery Uh Johnson got the email. It's like, oh, coach asked me to dinner. He gets to go do you Are you now invalidated from those emails because you're on the opposite team? No, we went to dinner uh, three, four weeks ago when we played them in San Antonio. But you don't get to go the whole team. I went uh, my first year coaching with the Spurs. Uh, he had a team meal in San Francisco right after our game. And you got to go? He invited me, and I said, I said, Coach, it's kind of weird. I mean, it's like, yeah. you know, we just played. You guys. He's like, are you kidding me? Who cares? It's a, it's a basketball game, right? It's a dinner. And plus you played with like four of these guys. You right. Know? And, and uh, so it felt a little weird. I walked into dinner, but there's Tim and Tony and Manu and, and – um, you know, the several members of the training staff and the coaching staff. And, you know, once a teammate, always a teammate. And – it was great. We had a great dinner. That's why people ask how long Popovich is going to keep coaching. It's he has to keep coaching because his dinners are so expensive <laughs> on the road. He's got 40, 30 person dinners that are his whole salary. He's, he's the best. He he is uh, he's unbelievable with that stuff. Those dinners are are amazing. Craig Hannon, Youngstown, Ohio. I am a high school basketball coach. I always admire your sidelines, out of bounds, late in games plays. I know that's no higher praise for you than <laughs> when somebody appreciates that. Who was your biggest influence at the best? He calls it slob, sideline out of bounds, yeah. slob play creator you have worked with. Biggest influence. Well, first of all, I've never, I've never made one up for myself. You've always stolen everything. Steal everything. Okay. Um, and most coaches would tell you the same thing. And what what you end up doing is you steal something, and then maybe you tweak it for your own personnel. Yeah. Um, but there's. Uh, there's a number of guys in the league who, I mean, everybody talks about Brad Stevens. He's great. He draws up great stuff. Um, I'll give you the guy, you know, one of the guys who I think is really underrated, um, Dave Yeager. 
um, runs really good stuff. Yeah. And one of the fun things um, that we probably all do as head coaches in the NBA is, you know, you watch tape over and over again, but you just, you're watching a game, random game, and it's like, bam. That was a cool play. Yeah, what was that? And so you have we have the we all have the same computer program. It's called Sports Code, and so you know you have I have a file of you know it just says add stuff question mark um, add. You, you know, started that the year before you even started coaching the Warriors, right? I you did. started I was the doing compiling it for a couple plays. Of years. Yeah. Now, I didn't have this program. I was right. like, just you know figuring out. But how you were to do copying it. copying stuff. Yeah. But now we've got this program, so I, I have a file. And I heard Brad Stevens say the same thing one time. Like he he'll he'll have plays um, that are um, he labels like Spolstra or you know Popovich yeah. or whatever. And in fact, I ran a play late in a game one time, and I was talking to Brad about it. And we were talking about this game, and and I can't remember exactly who it was against or whatever. But I said uh, I said yeah. So we ran that play late, and he goes, Oh, Kawhi. I go, yeah, we ran Kawhi because Pop runs it for Kawhi, right? And, and right. so that's how Brad remembers play. He calls it Kawhi or Pop or whatever. But there's this understanding in the league that, you know, you just you just steal stuff, you adapt it, and you and you modify it, and it's really fun. It's like he ran the greatest play I've ever seen. His first year, I think, midcourt, and it was like a second left, and Avery Bradley curled all the way around but ended up in the right corner. And the inbounder had to throw basically a lob pass. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm it sure it had happened before, but I hadn't seen it yet. Yeah. And now it seems like that variations of that play happen all the time. Everybody just grabbed it. But he got him this wide open, yeah. crazy shot that I didn't even know was possible. I was watching the NCAA tournament last year, and Princeton was playing, and they ran that play. Yeah. And then I, I ran. It's a into, great one. It's a great play, and I run into Mitch Henderson, the Princeton coach at the U.S. Open tennis uh, tournament in September. And we start talking. Great guy. We start talking. I go, was that a Brad Stevens play? He goes, yeah, yeah. I got it from Brad. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, th I thought I, I recognized that. And, and, uh, and I'll give you another good story. Is, uh, when I was keeping track of plays when I was in broadcasting, uh, Fred Hoiberg had a lot of great stuff at Iowa State. Oh. And so I, uh, I clipped a play. And it ended up really working well with our personnel in, in Golden State. And I started using it, and I called it uh, Cyclone. Yeah. And so Fred, the next year, becomes the Bulls coach. And uh, we were having lunch in Vegas at Shoot Around, and, I mean, at uh, Summer League. And he goes, uh, he goes, I, I noticed you're running, you, you ran our play. I go, yeah. Yeah, why wouldn't I? It's a perfect play for our personnel. I go, I go in fact, we call it Cyclone. And he, go, he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. He goes, I go, what'd you call it? He goes, Cougar. I said, how come? He goes, because I stole it from BYU. <laughs> oh my so this is how this stuff works in coaching. There should be a website. Right? Just all these, all these names and the stolen place. Um, Alan from London, Ontario wants to know, I'd love to hear you talk to Steve about back issues and how that might relate to Tiger Woods. I don't, you're, you don't have the same back issue that he had. But uh, you're, no, different issues, but... Um, he Tiger actually reached out to me this past year, uh, really nice gesture. And yeah, just said, "Hey, I heard you're struggling." We ended up talking a little bit, and 
His deal is different, and I'm thrilled for him. He's come, making a comeback, and he, he's uh, apparently doing really well. And he's, There's a lot of rumblings right now. Uh, about about him yeah. getting his mojo back. I sure hope so. Yeah. That would be amazing. What would be, that would be fan. one of my 2018 sports wishes. Yeah, one more be, Tiger run would be. be awesome. Yeah. So his thing was different. Than no, his different, yeah. different issue. But uh, In years, you've talked about it a yeah, ton already, yeah. but it's, Not, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, what do you think the biggest flaw or shortcoming of NBA coaches who aren't successful could be that's from Louie in Chicago. What are what are most of them getting wrong if they're not reaching their team? Uh, well, n- number one, most coaches aren't able to take the job they want, right? So uh, if you are able to, um, and I'll go back to Brad. Um, uh, Brad was coaching Butler, and uh, I was I was in Indianapolis for the Big Ten tournament. And uh, he says, hey, you want to grab lunch? I said, great. I had never met him before. He called me out of the blue, and, uh, we, and, he's, and we have lunch. And he says, I'm getting all these overtures for NBA jobs. You know, what do you think? And I said, well, in my experience, you know, you've got to take the right job. Because yeah. at the very beginning of your career, you're, the beginning of your career sets everything up. You know, Pat Riley taking the Laker job out of the broadcasting booth. You know, Phil Jackson taking the – you know, you, you have talent, right? So if you can take the right job in the beginning – you set your whole career up. And Brad took the right job. He didn't have talent, but he got a six-year contract, and he had, and he had Danny and he as a the, partner. And the owners, too. And the he, owners. Did, he knew he was with the right organization. The right organization. So that's the, the biggest problem. Like, I think David Fisdale is – and I'm not – this is not hyperbole. I think he's one of the best coaches in the league. Wow. He's fantastic. He's got an edge. He's smart. He's not afraid to challenge players. Um, but he ran into a difficult situation, and a year, year, less than a year and a half in, he's already fired. That guy's brilliant. He's great. But he didn't really have a choice. He was an, he was an assistant in Miami for many years. Um, he got a chance for an NBA job. He had to take it, but he didn't end up getting the support he needed to stick around. And, and I'm sure he'll have a second act because he's too good not to, but – that that's my answer is that the the the, the where guys get into the wrong or where, where they go wrong is by taking the wrong job. Hmm. So Fizdale's one of those guys you coach against and you go, wow, that guy knows what really he's doing. Good. Really good. Let's take a quick break to talk about our old friends at stamps.com. Convenient, easy, reliable, flexible. Those are my four favorite words to describe our old friends at stamps.com. You can avoid the post office over the holidays. You can buy and print officially U.S. postage with your own computer and printer. Hand your packages to your own mailman right outside your own house or apartment. Sign up with Stamps.com. You can automatically calculate and print the correct amount of postage for every letter or package you send. It's the U.S. Postal Service right at your fingertips. Any letter, any package, any class of mail, and you're in control of all of it. Stamps.com will even send you a digital scale to automatically calculate exact postage. They'll help you decide the best class of mail based on your needs. You will never have to go to the post office again unless you really want to. Right now, use my code BS for this special offer, a four-week trial. Post postage, post a digital scale without long-term commitments. Go to Stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage. Type in BS. Stamps.com. Enter BS. Sign up today. Stamps.com. You don't have to go to the post office. Back to the Steve Kerr mailbag. Who's the second greatest player of all time behind MJ from Jordan P? Um, I had Bill Russell, and he's still my number two. I mean, I, I you know, I've, 
I would have to say Bill Russell based on the success and, and the dominance um, of his teams. And But let's say, let's reframe the question um, only using players who I have seen play. Because okay. I, I, don't, I don't know what mm. it was like to look across the bench and go, oh, my God, here comes Bill Russell. Right? Yeah. And that's how I gauge all players now. And as a player, it was like when you look out on the floor and you're like, oh, man, like this is – you know, this guy's really something. Yeah. And so I, from that standpoint, um, that's it. I'm now, now I'm having trouble answering my own now question. Now you have LeBron, <laughs> LeBron, Kareem, Bird, Magic. Yeah. Uh, um, Duncan. Yeah. Kobe. Hakeem. Is Hakeem, Hakeem. Um Shaq. Shaq. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you can make a case for all those guys. Uh, I think LeBron, given the body of work now, um, Considering it's to, year fifteen and he's averaging I mean, a thirty nine yeah, and nine with fifty eight percent shooting, I, I think that's where LeBron is separating himself. I mean, he's always been phenomenal, but going to the finals seven straight years is insane. I mean, insane. I, I don't know if people understand the emotional toll that comes. I mean, Michael Jordan went three straight years and then quit and went and played baseball right. for a couple of years. He was fried. This is the best. I am still in the Jordan camp, but that's the best LeBron argument. Is that Jordan? was fried and went to play baseball and had to take a break. And LeBron has just year after year doing this. Year after year. Seven and finals. he's still, you know, this is, I, I, I think he's gotten uh, better and better and he's still, still at, at the top of his game. So this is great. You buttering up LeBron is the smartest move you right? can make right, right now. Hey, you might see him again <laughs> in the finals. Jamal from Birmingham wants to know, can you tell us what is the most clay thing that clay has ever done? Most clay thing that he's ever done. Uh, first of all, I, clay is the best. I mean, he really is. You he's, love clay. I love him. He's. I wish I was clay. Not a care in the world. Yeah. Um, the lowest maintenance player you could ever coach. Um, and then every once in a while, you get to see China Clay, and you know. Yeah. You see his personality emerge. He's. Uh, he's. Uh, there's a lot more there than people realize. Like he's really sharp and witty, but he just doesn't choose to share much and uh, I don't have a specific story that that I'm willing to to share anyway but fair uh, he's he's great first question you've ducked yeah with all your time playing and being around the NBA Douglas wants to know what's the single greatest performance you've ever witnessed from a player wow uh probably Michael when I was on the Cavs um, I think it was 91, maybe it was 90, and he, he scored his career high at 69 points at Richfield Coliseum. Yeah. And it was um, – and I was, like, in my second or third year in the league, so I was still sort of in awe of the whole scene. Yeah. But that was, like – I've never seen anything like that. He was so far above everybody else in what he was doing. It was so dominant. It, it seemed – like unfair what was happening on the floor 69 and probably not probably like three threes oh yeah yeah if that yeah if that probably 25 free throws like just getting to the line anytime he wants and the first time I guarded him by the way was like on a switch obviously no coach would ever have me guard yeah. him, but there was a switch and he did like this head fake and he faked one way then he faked the other and then he went back to the original way and I was so faked out by the first fake that I was still there. 
<laughs> and so I actually stayed in front of him because yeah. I didn't. I was too slow to go for the second fake. He yeah. kind of faked himself out. I stayed in front, challenged his shot, and he missed it. And there was a timeout. And in the in the huddle, Lenny Wilkins goes, "Guys, you got to stay in front of Jordan like like Kerr just did." <laughs> I didn't have the heart to tell him it was by accident. <laughs> Kyrie, you know, I've never watched. Kyrie watched in the finals and then the Cavs and stuff, but never like night to night. And the stuff he he'll do that once a game to somebody where his body's going one way and the other way yeah. and the other way, and the guy is just twisted around like a pretzel. Yeah. It's Kyrie's amazing. He is. Um, if it leaked that one NBA star was actually an alien, but the name wasn't going to be revealed until tomorrow, we're gonna find out this guy is actually an alien, not a human being. Which player do you think it would be? <laughs> This question's for me. It was the one question I wanted to throw in. <laughs> uh, Giannis. I would say Giannis, yeah. too. I think Giannis, I think it's like a 50% chance. Yeah. I'm not positive he's a human yeah. being. I don't think he can be. Do they they test for that? They test human alien? Apparently. Is that one of the tests? Yeah, we'll have to check. Was it more satisfying winning a title as a player or winning as the head coach? Wants to know Ryan Martin. Uh, it's just different. It's different. It's equally as satisfying. I know that's not the answer he was looking for, but in some ways uh, – the coaching one in 15 was um, just the most incredible moment um, of my career. Yeah, I'm not going to say it was better than winning as a title, but it was different, and it was it was sort of shocking. You know, first year coaching, and, yeah. And the, but the feeling is different because you feel responsible for everybody. Yeah. When you play, you're kind of responsible for yourself, and and uh, so we also have a little almost less control if you're a player, right? When you're coaching, you can control it, but ultimately, they're doing everything, and you just have to. Yeah, you have less control as a as a coach. Yeah. Um, but more responsibility. Right. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, I like this question from Scott Laven because I agree with it. Scott what Layden? Was, Scott Laven. Oh. <laughs> what was it like playing? Scott could just call me if he had a question for me. He wants to know, does the 99 ring feel like less of a ring than the others? In my opinion, yes. <laughs> because of the lockout? I, that's an asterisk season. That was, season was ridiculous. Yeah, everybody played, Bill. I had a 50-game season. Yeah, it's like a play. microwave season. It's, it's your least favorite one of the season. It felt less to me because I never, never got in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, this is another girl from Josiah who's trusting the process in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. If you were elected president of the United States, had to fill your cabinet with former, current NBA players, coaches, and owners, who would you appoint to, appoint to each post? Also, please run for president. Josiah wants wants you to. Uh, well, no. yeah. I'll give you who's who's your who's your secretary of state. Uh, Sean Livingston. Is what's David West's position? Uh, Secretary President. of Education? President. President. Yeah. You're working for David West. <laughs> President West. David West, Durant seems to think he could be something. He could do anything he wants. Yeah, like he, he could is. be the governor of California yeah, in four yeah. years He's if you want. He's sharp. Wanted. He is sharp and uh, only speaks when he has something poignant to say and listens. And, yeah, he's – Good guy for a bench-clearing bra, too, potentially. Won't throw the yeah. punches, but we'll end it. We'll yeah. separate everybody. Yeah, he would end it. Too. The Celtics have one good uh, Aaron Baines as our bench clearing brawl guy. How are we doing on time? 72 minutes. All right. Two more. Okay. Mark Wager. Steve, you played in the greatest win in Toronto Raptors history on March 24th, 1996. The expansion Raptors took down Michael and the Bulls. 
what kind of shenanigans happened the night before to cause such a terrible <laughs> team to beat one of the great teams ever? You can tell us. Uh, Toronto is a wonderful city. It is a great place to go out. Is that, so that was a, not a schedule loss, but a nightlife loss? I don't really remember. That was a long time ago. They it won felt, like seven it, games that year. It felt like a schedule loss, though. Should that be a 30 for 30? Maybe. Should be a documentary? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, your opinion on the mandatory mid-game coach interviews that Pop famously hates so much? Uh, unnecessary. You know, it's all fluff, and, and uh, it's really weird, you know, especially in a playoff game. Uh, the first quarter one's not too bad, but the third quarter one, like the game. Because you're in the game. Oh, my God. The first quarter one, you know, you can kind of – the game's just getting going, and you don't want to do it, but – you know, it's okay, but, you know, you're going into the fourth quarter and the game's on the line, everything's happening, and you, the, your PR guy comes over, Raymond Ritter comes over and says, you got to go, go talk to, you know, Jay Adonde or Chris right. Burke or whatever. I'm like, it's game seven of the finals, for God's sakes. Uh, and, and I don't think the viewers get much out of it. I think the in-game uh, mic'd up stuff in huddles are great, and uh, the league does a good job of kind of regulating what they show and what they don't show. But Have you ever been burned by one of those mic yeah. things? Never. That I got burned thing. by the, my lip reading uh, the other day. They, I was yelling at a ref, and I said something bad, and they caught, they caught it on camera. But it was not the audio. It was just the camera caught me, and I think we all get caught with that stuff sometimes. But Well, you know, if I ran a network, I would, instead of having a sideline reporter, I'd actually have a lip reader on the sidelines. <laughs> like, what did, what did Pop just say to that ref? <laughs> well, he told him to him. fuck <laughs> off, and then he said, just like, just I love it. bang it all out. Uh Let's end on this one because I thought this was a really interesting one. The LeBron Game 7 block is an incredible NBA moment, says Joseph M. What was your reaction in the moment? Could you even react because you're so locked in? It was probably one of the great athletic moments in the history of basketball. And it's happened in this pivotal moment of this game you're trying to win. And you're this guy who loves basketball and has a sense of history and all that. Does it even register in the moment or... How many days no. later you're like, holy shit, that block? No, when if you're a fan, it registers immediately. Like, my God, that was the greatest thing I've ever seen. But when you're coaching against that, it's like, oh. you're like, how do we not get the two on that? Well, not really, because you're watching LeBron every night, and you're you know that those chase down blocks, you know, are, are his thing. And uh, so even as it's unfolding, it didn't feel like, oh my God, we got this. Like this, it didn't feel like this is an automatic two. It just felt like. You know this this is touch and go, and and the guy who kind of made made the play was Jr. because yeah. he he made Andre have to double clutch by getting under by swiping underneath him and going for the steal, and Andre that just gave LeBron just enough time to get up and block it, and obviously phenomenal play. Did seventeen make up for sixteen? Do you still think about sixteen? I don't think about any of them. I really don't. Just going forward. Yeah, you just keep keep going, and it's it's, it's great to have in your back pocket, and it's great. Um, but it's not like um, even as you know, with the rings as a player, it's not like I walk around going, "Yeah, I got I got five rings as a player, two as a co-. like yeah, yeah, I got you know I got no, I just want to have a good day, you know, I want to I want to win another one, and I want to you know wake up and feel good and go get a workout and you know go out to dinner and. You know, you, I, you, I don't. I don't look back too much, but I, I, I realize and recognize how lucky I am to have played on great teams, and those experiences all mean the world to me. But I don't. I don't think about those. I forgot to ask you. Do you think that the stats have gotten really complicated with the way people are analyzing basketball now? 
and people have just gone to another level and it's been mostly really good. Do you feel like it's we're starting to head toward a baseball situation when people are just throwing out offensive rating and plus minus and all these different stats versus just kind of like trusting the eye test too? Is there a balance that we're starting I mean, to lose? No, I, I mean, as a as an organization, like we find the balance. We know what, what's important right. to us. And like I know PER is not a great stat. You know, yeah. it's, it's, you, you, it's really easy to find names in PER where you're like, well, that guy's not better than him. Why is his yeah. PER higher or whatever? So we've, we all find we all find what's important to us. And I don't, I don't really think about it from a fan standpoint now. Do you care about it for you from like plus minus lineups? Do you look at that and investigate it and study it? And Yeah, yeah. We look at plus minus. I get a report every, every game. Um, of, they're basically like, don't use this one anymore. It's just not working. Please stop. Yeah, but but you can also you can kind of tell. But it but it validates stuff that you're already thinking, and it helps helps in your decision making process too. I like the plus minus for five man lineups. I don't like it as much for individual players because I think it I think it's too random. Unless except that Steph is like way better than <laughs> but, everybody on but earth that, in plus. But minus. that just backs up what we what we would have thought, right? It just backs up what we thought, but but like. It is something that Steph Curry is far and away like, and we—I mean, we have great players on our team, obviously Hall of Famers, but he makes us go. Yeah, you know? he and and that stat shows it. Like we, you know, we have lineups without him where we tread water and we do a good job, and but he's the guy who makes the engine go. And and when he's on the floor, even when he's not shooting well, it's amazing how many games he's had where it's like you look at the box score and you're like. Yeah, five for eighteen. You know, seventeen points, nine assists. Oh, he's plus thirty-two. <laughs> <laughs> it's just amazing. I had a question we didn't use about how he was kind of like the Randy Moss of your team, where even if he's not having a great game, like what Moss did for the '07 Pats, where everyone is so concerned about him, the yeah, space yeah. that he Gravity, creates for everybody, uh, totally. and that's the thing. Like even that Celtic game when he didn't play well. He, I was still terrified. Yeah. The team still has to worry about right. any open shot. Yeah. His he screens affects. are really good now, too. It's a great screen. Center. Yeah, he's probably yeah, one of the best. In the Stockton-like top. in that regard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he doesn't cheat like Stockton. Yeah, yeah, he's dirty Stockton. <laughs> you nemesis. All right, Steve All right. Kerr. Hey, that was fun. This was awesome. Thank you for doing right. this. Thanks to everybody who sent uh, mailback questions, too. All right, thanks again to Steve Kerr. Always great to do uh, all the podcasts with him. I'm here with Mike Lombardi from The Ringer. Did your, wife drink, did your wife drink wine? Does my wife drink wine? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit? Yeah. Well, we have my a- wife loves whining about my faults, and she really loves wine. That's why I signed her up for trywink.com. They made it so easy to get exceptional wines from all over the world delivered every month right to our door. You know about wink.com? I- I'm in. I'm in okay. on wink.com. It's a personalized wine club. Recommends, recommends wine specifically for members based on the results of their palate profile quiz. Go to trywink.com. They even take your feedback into account so they can learn more about your preferences. With every order, join for free, skip any month, cancel any time. They even have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Never pay for a bottle you don't like. Sign up for Wink right now. Get introduced to new and rare wines you can't get anywhere else. Right now, Wink, offering my listeners $20 off your first order plus complimentary shipping. All you have to do is go to trywink.com. It is trywink dot com slash bs fine wine personalized for your palate coming right to your door that's trywink with a c dot com slash bs all right let's talk some football yeah okay michael lombardi yes. in the office 
You've the, brought me in today because the Sixers got killed by your Celtics. This I, is really what you just you just kind of wanted to kind of like the day after you wanted just to kind of taunt me with it, right? A little bit, yeah, I tiny can see bit, that. A little bit. I, 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 I the put two, would say a little bit, a little, little bit. bit, just a little, little bit. bit. I, I kind of got that hint, but I, well, I'm, you didn't, I'm your a center didn't show up. He can't play back to back games. It's your franchise ridiculous. center. Oh, I, you know, it's unbelievable. And then the, the 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 backup point guard hurt his shoulder, who I really like. I mean, that TJ McConnell this is really a good little player. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how they're going to keep him. I mean, he's he looks like he could play for a lot of teams of the league not just playing for the Sixers I think that guy's really good I agree I we on the Steve Kerr mailbag podcast I asked him a question about is TJ McConnell going to be the best Arizona white guard of all time is he going to take your corner break <laughs> all your stats uh I wanted to talk I wrote about on the ringer.com I wrote an Eli Manning almost mailbag right he didn't deserve an entire mailbag but like two-thirds of one but then I had a whole section about Case Keenum who one of my readers was saying he's an MVP candidate, which seems absurd. Right. But yet again, they're a two seed, and he's played great. And you and I have both been waiting for this to kind of fall apart. And I got this question, started thinking about it, did some research, which I wrote in the column today, about late bloomer QBs. And there's been a lot of them. This is not like an uncommon thing for, for somebody to just kind of seemingly out of nowhere be super competent. I think Rich Gannon's probably the best example because right. he was pretty late. He was age but I, 33. I, I have but- the greatest Rich Gannon story of all time. I it's I wrote this in my book. It's 1987, and I'm carrying Bill Walsh's books around, and I'm following him as we go through the combine. And he stops short and looks down on the field and says, who's that down there? And I said, oh, that's Rich Gannon from the University of Delaware. He turns to me and says, well, let's make sure Mike Holmgren goes and work him out. I like him. There was like a three-second look. It was like a Malcolm Gladwell blink thing. It was a blink thing, right? So naturally, I go tell Holmgren, you got to go to Delaware. And he starts giving me a hard time. Ah, you're making me go back. It's your hometown boy, which I didn't know Rich at the time. So we go back. We end up trading for Steve Young. But but the instincts that Bill had on, on Gannon were right, and then Gannon never blossomed until he got to Kansas City. It took him 10 years. It took him 10 years, but some of it was due to injury. Now, remember, he got drafted by the Patriots. Yo, oh, believe a, me, I remember. As a free safety. We gave him away. For, we, you traded him for a fourth. You drafted him in the fourth. You gave up a fourth. You got a fourth back yeah. for him. So, Great. Uh, Where's that guy? Yeah, yeah, he was but on my three point, teams. My point of this is there was always talent there that people saw about Gannon. It yeah. just never had the right match between scheme and talent. So I went back and I looked up the first really quality season for all these guys who were like late 20s or later. Age 27, Romo and Matt Schaub. Age 28, Kurt Warner, Matt Hasselbeck, Danny White. Danny White was pretty good for a couple of years there. Yeah. Age 29, Brad Johnson, Brian Sype. Age 30, Steve Garcia. Age 31, Steve Young, although that was kind of dumb. He, he probably would have happened for him sooner if, on the different situation. Age 32, Warren Moon and Trent Green. Age 33, Vinny Testaverde. Age 34... Rich Gannon, and that list does not include Stan Humphreys and Jeff Hostetler, who basically quarterback Super Bowl teams. Where'd you put? Is Trent Green on that list? Trent Green was in there, yeah. So age thirty-two, yeah. And then, uh, and then Doug Williams and Jim Plunkett, who hit rock bottom and came right. back. This happens a lot more than I think we think, and it actually hasn't happened in a while. Are you making I've, a case for Geno Smith here now? <laughs> I didn't even think of that. I was thinking Blaine Gabbert, but. Maybe Case Keenum's good. Maybe this is the next five years of Case Keenum. And then you go back, like, think about his Houston situation. Right. Not a great situation. Comes in, goes 0-8 his first year. And what ended up being the worst team in the league. 
goes to the Rams. He's playing for Jeff Fisher with your favorite receiver, Tavon Austin. Right. It's not like they had receivers there. Yeah, Maybe he just hasn't been in a good situation. And, and, I, and I think I think the unsung heroes of the Vikings has been Pat Shermer. I think Pat Shermer's done a really good job. Uh, you know, head coach of the Browns didn't work out. But in Minnesota, he's really done a good job. And I think Case Keenum has benefited from having a system that fits what he does. And and Thielen's made some incredible plays, but, you know, they've had injuries. I mean, could you imagine if the Clapper was up in Minnesota and they would have lost Dalvin Cook? I mean, we oh, talked last over. night on television about the devastation of losing Zeke Elliott. Oh, devastating. Nobody else loses no, players. No, but Minnesota's 9-2, <laughs> and two and they never mentioned they lost Dalvin Cook. You right. know, like, it's uh, like only for the Clapper, but... I think Shermer's done a incredible job, and Keenum's done a really good job of adjusting. And maybe the but you game. And I, you and I are texting on the weekends, going, "This is the week it's going to fall apart for Case Keenum." We've been saying that now for two right. months, and it maybe hasn't. it doesn't happen. I don't think it does. I really and don't. He's, and he really does have chemistry with Thielen. That's he, the other thing. He it's does like, have chemistry I would with say the whole top. Other, you know, it's like Brady Edelman level at this point. Third and eight. Thielen's going one way or the other, and Keenum's hitting him like in stride, with, like before anyone knows what's going on. I think the team believes in him too. Look, he's got this giant burden of Teddy Bridgewater's hanging over him, and he's been. But able why? To, what, I don't understand did that Teddy he, Bridgewater. Have? Like I don't know where that is. It's, if they do that, they're going backwards quickly. Is it possible they're using that to motivate Keenum and the team a little bit? I think so. Like not not make him feel too comfortable. I think so. I think they don't want him to ever just turn the keys over to him. So do you believe or you don't believe? I, I'm actually believing in him. I mean, he's done some really good things. And I, the other thing I think it benefits Case Keenum more than those other places you mentioned is he can punt. So the offense can not have to feel like it has to always just – Right, because their know, defense is good right, enough like to – If you look at Jacksonville's team, and I know yeah. we make fun of Blake Tannick all the time, but Jacksonville's team has, has two personalities, right? They have yeah. the personality when they're in the lead – defensively they're great and then when their defense is behind they're not as great right so it's the same thing with quarterbacks when they can play from in front which case keenum's been able to do he's a much better player in some of those other situations you know he's pressing if i don't make this throw if i punt it back you know we're going to be down whereas when you can punt the ball and you can know you don't every down and distance isn't like life-threatening i think that sends a sense of relief to him he's had a couple moments when it seemed like the wheels were about to come off like the Redskins game. They had a big lead. Yeah. And he made a couple terrible plays. Two bad throws in that game. Yeah. And it was like, okay, here comes Case Keenum. Yeah. This is the Case Keenum I was waiting for. And then he kind of settled down. I thought he was good in the Rams game. Right. I thought he was um, really good in that. And and on Thanksgiving, I thought he was pretty good too. That made was some, and he hung a in the goofy pocket. game. It was nine thirty in the morning, West Coast time, and I don't know. He you made know, the some se- plays. The seven cut he makes to to Ru- Randolph down there. I mean, it's really Rudolph. I mean, it's really good. I mean, he's he's done a tremendous job. Look of hanging in the pocket. He's taking the hits. They've done a really good job of their offensive line, and they have an identity of who they are on offense, which is critical. Most of these teams, they have no identity, so the quarterback has to make the play and do this and do that. I don't know. I, I think there's a market for a guy who's a late developer. I do think that. And maybe it is. Like, I watched Blaine Garrett on sun, Sunday, and I thought he actually— I think Garrett's been good for a couple of weeks for what we thought he was going to be. I think he's way—I think if Jacksonville had Gabbert now, they probably would like him a lot better. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes it has to it's like it's like training that they have to go through it and finally the game slows down and maybe the game has slowed down for Case Keenum. Well, it's pretty much impossible for them not to get a two seed right now. Because the Eagles are going to be the one seed unless they just completely collapse. Which which they, I don't think they will. I don't think they will. That, to me, that's the MVP of the league. I mean, to me, yeah, I, I wrote that today. I don't, I don't even think people not, are like Wentz or Brady. It's like it's it's Wentz. There's no other way. Brady has 
a whole system in place and guys he's used to throwing to. Wentz is a second-year guy with no weapons. Uh, here, here's what makes it even more remarkable. Wentz is the 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 the, the Eagles had have the third most third and sixes in the league only buffalo and cleveland those two high-powered offenses yeah. have more third and sixes than the eagles do now how is that possible right you say that can't happen this is a, the eagle well it does because the eagles stutter stutter and then wentz makes a great play and then he makes another great and the play. other thing he does is he he'll do two or three plays a game when the defense has him and he gets out of it somehow and gets a first down. And those are the ones, It's when you bet against the Eagles or when you're rooting against them, Like those are the ones that just ruin yeah, you. If you're you like, sit there, oh, my God, how did we not get them? If you watch the Eagle game and say, oh, they're in third down, we got them now, this is when they're at. The Eagles on third down average more yards per attempt than they do on first down, which is unheard of in the annals of football. Cool. And, and yet they're able to do it. They convert more. They're better at third and six or more than the – the Ravens and the Browns are at third down, period. I mean, it's he's remarkable. Got, he's got something with Ertz that's been coming along, although I'm still not 100% sold on Ertz being able to stay in the field for two more months. Jeffries, come on. Um, I wrote that he's there's pieces of Rodgers, there's pieces of Roethlisberger, and there's pieces of Wilson with him. Who else do you see with Wentz? Roger Stahlback. Roger Staubach. Oh, Roger I like Staubach. it. You go way back. R- way back. I mean, T- Tate's confused. Do you remember who Tate, Tate Roger Staubach like is? Lombardi's, do you feel like Lombardi's cheating on you right now? <laughs> is this like watching <laughs> your girlfriend with somebody else? Yeah. I miss wow. Tate Frazier. Tate's Tate been Frazier. cucked. He doesn't even have a jersey on today. I'm disappointed in him. <laughs> Roger Staubach. I He's like that. He's got a little Roger Staubach in him. He's got, to me, it's a combination of Staubach and Roethlisberger. Yeah. Because he, he gets the young long. Young Roethlisberger. The young, not the one we're watching He gets the long now. whistle. He makes plays. And... And he escapes some things like when I, I mean, I was a Redskin fan growing up. So I watched Stallback closely and I, we would have him. Dyron Talbert would look like he was going to get him. Chris Hamburger's going to tackle him. Oh, no, Stallback makes a play and he throws yeah. it down. It was just so annoying, right? And, and that's to me is what Wentz has done. Wentz makes plays like you just don't think. So there is Rodgers to him. So to contemporize the analogy. He's got that 360 spin yeah. that Rodgers has and Wilson has and nobody else has. And he sees the field. His eye level down the field is remarkable. He's not looking like Flacco to check it down once he's in trouble. He's going to throw it up the field. And if you don't, if you don't have a coordinated pass rush against them, you're going to – like the Redskins, there's elements of the Redskin game, both right. Redskin games, that really gave him trouble. And if Seattle borrows from that, Kansas City had a little bit of it too. If you, The way to beat the Eagles isn't you're going to stop him, is you're going to have to control rush him and keep him in front of you. So here's the, here's what you would say against Wentz and the MVP campaign so far. Hasn't really gone against any good defenses. No. The best ones I'm looking. Carolina had Giants, him. a little if, Carolina, and maybe the Chargers. Yeah, Carolina had them in the Charger game. They ran the ball to end the game there. I mean, and then you would have said the Seahawks this weekend, but they they've been decimated. It's right. not the same. The Seahawks Eagles, team. The, the Eagles. You know what the Eagles need? The Eagles need a back. The Eagles need like two weeks of just really hard games. Because they're Is that not going to happen. Well, they got this, so they got this in the Rams. This this game this weekend. That I mean, they're favored by six, which I thought was insane. I thought it's unbelievable. Um, it just seems like everybody has written C- Seattle off, which is dangerous because Carroll will use that. He's definitely using Russell it. Wilson will use that. Yeah, he's they, definitely using. You know, it. they will definitely. The crowd's going to be into it, and they're gonna, that's a proud team that's not just going to roll over. Who's lost? It's a dangerous game. Who's lost twice at home, and in two of their other three wins. 
at home. They've been by three points. The only blowout game was the Colt game, and they were behind at halftime in that game. Right. So this isn't a team that's won at home convincingly. So I think this is why the line's going way up because that allure, that that cachet of being attached to the, the, the field is gone. People have gone in there. The Redskins went in there and won. You say, well, look, if the Redskins can beat them, anybody can beat them, right, based on what the Redskins looked like last night. I think this is a game, and it's an important game for the Eagles because the Eagles need to get toughened up. The Eagles need to have a challenging game from a really good coach against a coach and, and make adjustments and go from there and see how they handle it. Do you feel better about Doug Peterson or no? I feel really good about their defense. <laughs> and Wentz. And Wentz. I really do. So I you're sticking to your guns still a little I bit because you were out on McAdoo last year even when they were 10-6. and six. I mean, everybody gave me crap about that. Look, I think, I think Schwartz has done – the Eagles lead the league in – possessions inside their own tw- inside the opponent's 20 they have seven there's 20 other teams in the nfl that have two or less think about that bill i mean this is like their defense is really good so you're telling me at some point doug peterson is going to make me some money some point okay did that the dvoa i know you don't love advanced metrics because you're like my dad you're a little bit older it's a, the advanced I- metrics get a little confusing from time to time uh, that DVOA. was an insult, Tate Frazier, by the way. That was an insult. Was an just insult. a little bit. A little bit. Advanced metrics for anyone over 50. It's just, and by the way, I'm 48, so I'm almost there. Um, okay. DVOA, Rams number one, Philly number two, Saints number three, Pittsburgh four, Minnesota five. Now, here's where it gets nuts Baltimore six. I, I like to know what they're watching. Like that to me, I, Baltimore again. Ske- that's a lot of schedule. That's schedule based thing Defense, right there. Couple shutouts. That's schedule DVOA based. Love shutouts. Well, I mean, they've had three shutouts, Baltimore. But do you watch Baltimore? I mean, they had it. I mean, if Tom Savage was was a legitimate NFL quarterback, they're going to lose that game. You know, so it's like I look. I don't. I'm not against. <laughs> and hold that. I'm still. I'm still enjoying a world where Tom Savage is a legitimate quarterback. <laughs> it, it, I said, what if, world is this like? If he was, I, I mean. I'm not against DVOA. I think there's relevance to it, no, but I think you I think have to you have to kind of you have to shape it and frame it in a certain way and look at it. I mean, the Eagles have have benefited from a really really benefit schedule that's been friendly. I mean, yeah. schedules are about what quarterback are you facing, right? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. You don't look at the schedule and say, oh, we're getting ready to play. Okay, so you're playing Minnesota. They've got Case Keenum. Now it's a little bit better than you would have anticipated. But if you looked at, like, give me the, like, read the quarterbacks Philly has played from Alex Smith, Cam Newton, if he played half decent. Well, that's one of the things you and I love to look at. What quarterbacks did you play? Right. Because some of these teams, like, I think the Rams are a pretty good example. Right. Some of these teams is just like you're playing a murderer's row of mediocre to bad quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, like the Rams and, and the Rams, the Rams, for somebody to beat the Rams, it's going to require the best defensive fronts have beaten the Rams. Minnesota's beaten the Rams. Seattle's beaten the Rams. So the Rams, you have to beat them with your front. I will say, though, because I watched that whole Rams-Vikings game, and I thought that was a good learning experience for them because they had plays that they didn't make. Right. Cup dropped a couple big passes. Huge Came pass. back next week. He was awesome. Right, um, but I think that was a good learning experience for them because they were in that game, and I, I don't think twenty four seven was a good. Philly needs one of those kind of games. Yeah, like well, are your young guys going to come through in this right. type of game? Jeffrey has been the X factor for them. He's starting to look like the Jeffrey that we kind of were terrified of on the Bears. QBR, another advanced metric that's pretty flawed. Um, it's probably better than quarterback rating, but I still Way don't think we've come up with a good, right. really good QB thing. Watson is first out for the year. Keenum second. Wentz third, Brady fourth, Matt Ryan fifth. That actually sounds reasonable. I think that's right. I mentioned this because 
your bottom your bottom six going backwards. Can you guess who's worse than QBA right now? I was, or QBR? This is Flacco's a great one. the worst. What do you think, Tate? I'm going to stick with Flacco, too. Mitch Trubisky, 22. <laughs> yeah. When you're under 25 in QBR, you're, 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 it's and, a calamity. Yeah. So he's 22. Kaiser, 20. <laughs> what, what did Sal call him? What did he come? Uh, Kaiser so so Kaiser so so Kaiser so so twenty five point six, CJ Beathard twenty nine point six, Hoyer thirty two point four. Who's not even playing anymore? Simeon thirty two point five. Who's not even playing anymore? And Joe you, Fla- and Joe Flacco is the heist higher than these guys? Come on, don't tell me the heist is higher. The heist higher. hasn't hasn't had enough. Uh, oh, okay. Hasn't played enough games yet. The best quarterback in the league, as we know, is Muhammad Sanu, who every time he throws a pass, it's for 40 yards in traffic. Did you see that montage of it? It was unbelievable. Six for six, and they were all like covered guys. It's really unbelievable. But you and I, I mean, the Ravens fans know. I'm not positive the general public knows, and there's going to be a moment when we can pick and bet against Joe. You don't bet, but I do. When we can pick and bet against Joe Flacco, the moment is going to arrive at some point, and it's going to be like a rainbow in the sky. It's going to be beautiful. It, I can't it, wait. It's too good. He's I mean, terrible. Like this week against Detroit. Like okay, they their last they've had twenty two plays over twenty yards this season. That's all they've had. They're last in the NFL. Twenty two, and we and we're eleven weeks. So now, that, that's two two a game. Now the Rams, the Patriots, all those teams, they're in the sixties and seventies. Right. I mean, they're getting, you know, like, how do you beat any, if you don't make explosive plays, mm-hmm. right? Like for every, if you get 12 drives a game and you want to score in the twenties, you got to make at least four explosive plays during a drive. Well, this is the Des Bryant conundrum, right? Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Like people can, like, you can get excited. You won last night, the Cowboy fans, but that was because the Redskins don't even have a team. They have their teams on well, IR. We, we knew when Chris Thompson went out, that was That it. was the over Yeah, them. that was, he was, even though maybe the stats didn't hundred percent reflect it. One of the stats I love. Uh, 20 plus plays by a receiver. Right. 20 plus yards. So it comes, you're not going to be surprised who's the leader in this category. Who do you think it is? Robert Woods. Antonio Brown. Yeah. 20. Okay. Hopkins has 18. Julio Jones, 16. Adam Thielen, 16. And then coming in at number five, one of the guys who's carrying my fantasy team to the playoffs, a waiver wire pickup. Temple's own Robbie Anderson. He's amazing. 16, 20 plus plays. It, they, he's one of the best receivers in the league. It's remarkable. He's, nobody can cover him. He's fast as hell. I mean, he really. So, how was. does Robbie Anderson happen? If you're a GM okay, and you're so like, how the fuck did, how the fuck did they get Robbie to, Anderson? I was talking to Matt Rule, who's the head coach at Baylor, about this. So, he's a, he's a, he's a Temple, and people had, scouts had this perception that he was a bad kid. He, he's, he need, he well, still, has. Still, still unclear, by the way. Still, right. Still, I mean, you know, possible. he's, I would say he's kind of got some attention deficit, you know, like he's doesn't. Like his pay. coach hit him with the newspaper this week. Yeah, right. So, if he's, he needs to be able to, to be compliant with his his stuff that he takes and when he did that he's pretty good but rule wasn't like he's not like one of those guys you have to worry about being in north philly worrying he was it was more about he's not like the morris brothers exactly (laughs) we have to take a deep breath uh the pats have two guys in the top 10 brandon cooks and gronkowski i think we can call that cooks trade one of the better trades we've had in the NFL where both teams are totally right. happy and would do it again, right? They, you would the, think so. I the mean, Saints no more, got the offensive lineman they, out of it. Which they really need because their line's been – I mean, they've kind of had injuries and they've had to move people around and they needed to get better up front. And they're running the football. And I, I think that has benefited them. And they weren't going to sign – I mean, it, it's hurt the it's hurt their passing game. 
Because the yeah, Saints Willie passing Sneed, game Willie isn't Sneed the didn't same. come through. You know, the Saints passing game isn't – I mean, that's what makes me worry about the DVOA on the Saints is I'm not sure how good they really are on offense, on, on the passing game. I think we're sure. Yeah. I don't think they're very good. Yeah, I, I worry about – like last week they really struggled to separate from the Orleans's no, from the Rams covered. They couldn't really get away from the Rams' corners. You know what's interesting about that game? They pivoted mid-game for what they're trying to do offensively because they thought they were going to throw – in like the first quarter, and they just couldn't. They, they couldn't, couldn't move protect. the ball. They struggled to protect. They couldn't protect. They couldn't move the ball. And then they kind of switched to like this power running game with, right. and unleashed Kamara a little bit. And that worked, but they did it too late. They were they had fallen too far behind. I think the Saints have a lot of trouble throwing, and which is weird. I've had Breeze on my fantasy team all year. He's just not not having. He's a not Drew the same breed. Hey, he had the great sure game. He has the weapons either. I don't think. I think that's the point about the Cooks deal. I think they miss Cooks. I mean, they replaced a good player. They got a good player back for him. So I'm sure they would do it again. But they really need an explosive play receiver. Don't you think? Like, don't you think they thought it was Willie Sneed though? Willie Sneed no, was I think good they thought Willie Sneed was an inside slot guy. I, I I think they felt like they could compensate with it. They felt like they could put anybody out there, whether it's you know the the kid from Rutgers, the, you know whomever it might. And they have Michael Thomas, who's a really good player. Well, he's. They have He's Coleman from Rutgers, and Michael Thomas has been good. So I think they felt like they had enough, and Kamara's been really dynamic. But they're just not as explosive in the passing game as I thought. So how does Kamara go? What was he, third round? How does that happen? So Kamara goes to the university. He's a, he's a, uh, Tate Frazier. He's a five-star recruit for Mac Brown, okay? And he goes to Alabama, and he gets to Alabama, and they've got all these backs. So he decides to transfer, and there's some d- debate whether what happened at Alabama and all that. He goes to a junior college. He goes to Tennessee. Did he have to give the money back or no? no I don't know. <laughs> and then, then Jalen, I think it was uh, th- this kid heard, or there was another back who's now at Baylor as a receiver. At Tennessee, who's a really good player. And he was the starter when he comes in. And he was a good player. Looked like Marcus Allen when he ran. And so he's playing behind him. And then Tennessee's in this one back. I mean, the college football is so messed up with how they run the ball. They really It's hard yeah. to evaluate running backs in college because they're all in spread. 90, so did you like him? Oh, yeah. Everybody loved him. Camaro was a really talented player. So I mean, do you think that there were too many good running backs in this draft? I think It seems I, like it was like I my, think, my clutter theory, I think, I think, came through. I think Camaro got hurt by the fact he wasn't at one place for a long time and there wasn't a history of his skill set. Everybody loved Camaro. There wasn't the, the negative on Camaro was not like Cook, which was off the field worries. There was some with Camaro. Or Mixon. <laughs> or, or Mixon, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, Mixon was documented. I mean, yeah. there was there was no there was no imp- implication there. So no, everybody loved Kamara. Kamara was a good player. It's just that what happens is with the running backs is everybody, oh, he got it back. You know, like, could you imagine if you put, like, if you're the Raiders, right? Yeah. Could, and you put Kamara on the Raiders. Like, what people don't understand, this is the hardest thing, is when you're a spread team, the back makes the spread better. Yeah. That's what I keep saying about Deion Lewis. When Deion Lewis is in the game for the yeah, Patriots, the rejuvenated Deion Lewis. They're a much better team because you're worried about him running the football in between the tackles. You're worried about him catching screen passes. You're worried about everything. And then it sets up everything. When you just have James White back there, you're just worried about passes. And if he runs the ball inside, you'll live with it. Yeah. Right. You'll live with it. Whereas now the Patriots have gone the other way. They're under center more than most teams in the league are anyway, which I think you have to be like the only chance you have to beat a really good defense in the NFL is to get under center at times. The recipe for the surprise playoff team. There's a lot of different ones. We were talking on the phone yesterday. I was saying the team that has the quarterback already has a decent to better coach, but then hits their draft. I, the, I guess the catch is you don't know it. You don't really know until the season's going whether the team hit their draft or not. Right. 
the Saints are just a great example. They just they nailed their draft. Right. And they had quarterback in place already. Good home field advantage. And now they're headed ten and six. With that said, I still think they could slip because somebody is gonna fall out of this. I find it hard to believe that there's going to be three NFC South playoff teams. Well, because they're all going to play each other. But I don't know where all. I mean, if Seattle wins this week, if Seattle, we don't think Seattle's going to win this. If week, Seattle do we? wins, I don't think Seattle's going to win this week. But if Seattle wins this week, and Seattle's a you know look that Seattle's a, a funny team. They they respond when their backs are to the wall. They always, That's why I would be very careful putting Philly in a tease or a parlay or laying the six. I think Philly's the better team. I think Philly will win. Yeah, that be being careful. said, that is but a I be would careful, I man. would caution there, but. I think Seattle and the Rams could could offset that South. I think the Seattle team could offset it if they win this week. If they don't, then, you know, look, Russell Wilson makes a lot of plays too. Don't underestimate him. So we got Eagles to win this week, maybe. But either way, they're going to be the number one seed still. Right. I have Atlanta beating Minnesota. That was one of my picks in the league. I think Atlanta can throw in Minnesota. But let's say that happens. Atlanta's 8-4. and four. Minnesota be 9-3. and three. Rams win in Arizona. They're 9-3. and three. Uh, Atlanta eight and four, Carolina and New Orleans both eight and three. One of them would be eight and four. Yeah. One of them would be nine and three. Carolina is getting four. You and I both like Carolina, but now McCaffrey's hurt. I'm a little concerned. And then Charles Johnson just got suspended. And Charles Johnson got suspended. So that really, like to me, New that Orleans seems like is, a stay away now. Yeah, New Orleans is all about their defensive front. Losing Charles Johnson just really that affects them. And Did you know that NFL players took PEDs? I never heard of such a thing. <laughs> yeah. Tate, you know this? Tate. <laughs> Tate, did your season just fly away today? <laughs> Charles Johnson, McCaffrey's got the banged up shoulder. You're fine? I'm fine. You got Cam in New Orleans Are laying you confident? Four? Are you confident, Tate? You feeling Frazier? good, Tate? Feeling good. Tate feels confident. All right. Um, yeah, I think after this week we're going to know with the with the NFC. Because Seattle might just get killed by the Eagles. And we're going to be like, wow, they're done. Like, say goodbye to Seattle. But Seattle's got – I think Seattle has a tough schedule left, They too. do. They have a tough They have a tough road to I hope. I kind of feel like they have to win this game. That's what I mean. I think this is all or nothing. This is all in – Tate Frazier says they're out if they lose. He was on the GM Street Podcast. He said if they don't win I, this week, which he's predicting that, that they'll lose, they're I out. I agree. So we should mention you do the Saturday sit-down with Tate. You pick five games. Right. You rip through them. You guys did unbelievable for a couple weeks with and then, and laying out. And then what happened, you had the mush gamblers saying like, oh, Lombardi knows what he's talking about. They glommed on. You had a couple, you had one bad week. The the mushes went away and now, now you're on fire again. Um, I think this is a, I don't want to say it's a throwaway game for the Vikes, but it's not a must win. They basically have to, they have at Atlanta this week, at Carolina next week, and then an easy schedule the last three. They have to win one of these next two. I don't feel like they have to win this Atlanta game, but Atlanta has to win it. Atlanta has to win it. It's a must win. I think Atlanta's playing pretty good football, right? Atlanta's playing good football. I was telling you, you were were arguing about it for a month. Because I keep thinking Atlanta's just going to stumble. And look, every chance Atlanta gets in the fourth quarter, you're nervous. I don't care. Like even last week, you're nervous. I mean, they're you're always well, a little. Well, cons- they don't have a real running back anymore. So, yeah, I, but my if, thing with my thing with but uh, you know when you lose a running back, your all offense shuts down. Do you understand yeah. that? I mean, everything. You're well, not. That's the thing. It's like even when they're up ten, they don't have the guy who right. can. Well, but my but thing, they overcame it. They're the only team in America who can't overcome a running back losing is Dallas. So, so you just die the clapper. <laughs> it's so the tough. Best. I will say though, the reason I I didn't give up on Atlanta is the same reason like when I watch basketball. I always look at the shots the team's getting. Like the Celtics last year, they were winning and they ended up at 50 wins. And a lot of it had to do with like in the fourth quarter, Isaiah just made these crazy shots. But right. the shots they were getting in the game weren't that good against good teams. And I was always like, 
deep down concerned. Like right. when we play a really good defensive team, I worry about the shots. I watched the Celtics this year. They just get awesome shots. Like Kyrie just gets fantastic shots and he gets everybody else good shots and the movements there. Atlanta, the first like eight, nine weeks, I thought the plays were there. I thought Ryan was playing shitty. Mm -hmm. He was missing throws, you know, and now he's starting to make them and Julio's involved. And I think that's a dangerous team, even with Sarkeesian, who neither of us like. I, I think I, I'm, I'm I'm with you on Atlanta. I think Atlanta can make the run. And I they think, can, they have a pass rush now again, too, because yeah. Beasley's back. And, and and I think Atlanta could play it. Like, I think you have to match it up to who can, can somebody compete against the Eagle. To me, this thing, everybody's got this backwards. Everybody wants to know if you can play against Wentz. The key to beating the Eagles is going to be, can you match up to their their defense? Yes, yeah. ultimately the front you, seven is their front seven yeah. is really if you can move the ball on them like like Eli did in week three or something when they had a chance, you know, or the Redskins right. did early in the season. Redskins almost won that game. Redskins should have won the game. I mean, when and Kansas City moved the ball when you can move the ball on them, you know, Carolina had opportunities, but they Cam was so bad in that game. But I think that's going to be the team when they play a team that can't move the ball like Chicago and Denver and San Francisco, they own them. Super Bowl odds. Pats are plus two forty. That means you bet 100, you win 240. Okay. You, yeah, out of all the Italians I know, you understand gambling the least. <laughs> <I've been laughs> You're like the lowest at the totem pole. Uh, Eagles plus 360, second best odds. Steelers, six to one. See, I don't think anybody's buying the Steelers. No, I think, that's the thing. I, I don't think anybody's buying the I think default. the Steelers feel like when you, when you need a, a, a long field goal to beat Green Bay with Brett Hundley at home, too sloppy. I mean, you Roethlisberger's know, too sloppy. Coaching's a little shaky. That's the thing. It's a game. Football's about details, and if you don't nail those details yeah, down, like sloppy. last night, last night was the ultimate. They should have called the non. They should have called it the non-detail game because neither team had the details nailed down. The Cowboys obviously were better than the Redskins, but There's the Redskins four, four turnovers in the first half. But the Redskins, everything they do is just sloppy. Vikings, they look like an unmade bed. Vikings are ten to one. Saints fifteen to one. Falcons sixteen to one. Rams sixteen to one. I don't think anybody. I think I think you're using your Boston Celtic logic. I think when the Rams have had to play against teams with good defense, there might be a year away that that people have an understanding of how to handle them. Like Minnesota, really. I know they missed some throws. Minnesota took Gurley away. Yeah, put you know they knew how Made to Goff play. Try to make plays. Right. The other thing is what's what I think is a little bit misleading about DVOA is the Rams and the Eagles. These teams and the the Patriots don't as much as people think they piling it on. They pile it on. Yeah. And they get like the Rams, the Eagles are like the best team in the fourth quarter. The Rams are one of the best teams in terms of they keep scoring. Yeah. They, and they keep. But we like that, though. We like when the teams are hungry. Right. And I think that's really good. Because but you say it's deceiving. For sometimes the, it's a little bit yeah. deceiving. Um, here's what here's why I think the Rams are a little frisky as a sleeper for the Super Bowl. They're fucking fast. It's a fast team. I, you I, watch them and it's like offense, defense, just guys flying around. And round two, I'm thinking like you got to go to LA in round two. The, everybody's gonna be flying. But the Rams you know, are better on. Speed. They're actually better on the road than they are at home. I mean, yeah. the Rams are really good on the road. They've done a nice job with that. But I, I think the Rams. Look, the Rams. When you can score points like the Rams can score points, you're always gonna be a you're always gonna be a threat to somebody because you get you know you get going. But when remember the 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 twelve teams that get to the playoffs or the final eight, those you usually have really good coordinators on both sides of the ball, and that's usually the chess match starts to take over, and that's when Our really because there's some teams and Wade's done a really good job. Tate's Panthers twenty to one. Cross them off. No, I, I you know, if, oh, if not crossing them off. No, because like Cam's like like Cam hasn't even played half decent yet. Like Cam, like there you go, Tate. 
like Cam, they like I keep waiting for Cam to play better, but like to play close to be in the NBA, he didn't even play close to that. Okay. They could be a dangerous team. I think the Charles Johnson injury really hurts them though. I mean, that might knock them out of the playoffs. Yeah, I think it they, could. They, I mean, every, I don't know every if it's little bit could, yeah, whatever. Right. So we named Pats, Eagles, Steelers, Vikings, Saints, Falcons, Rams, maybe Panthers. That's eight teams. Usually when we go into the playoffs, we have seven teams that we think are Super Bowl teams. Yeah, I think there's probably so this could year. that be the eight? Yeah, I think so. I don't think we missed anybody. Because here are a couple other options. The Blake Tannock at 31. Cross them off. I can't see how. You can't win. Look, if they go play somebody and get the lead on them. That's what my fear is. They go to New England, and they get a three nothing lead. New England. Here's what New England they will hit do. Hit the them. shit out of Brady. Here's what New England will do. New England will figure out that if we keep them in base defense, yeah, and we keep their pass rushers off the field, and we keep Calais Campbell from lining up a defensive tackle and rushing over the guard, and we keep him at end, and we run and we play nickel, we play a nickel game out of base personnel which they're very capable of doing because they can run the ball. That leaves them on the field. They'll go no huddle, and they'll and Belichick will do everything in his power to get a 14-point lead or a 10-point lead in the first quarter and then make Blake Tannock have to play. Then I think it becomes a struggle. I, I, I don't, would enjoy that's that That's the situation. formula for playing Jacksonville. Make them play base defense on first and second down. Throw the ball out of their base. Don't try to run the ball into their base. Keep their worst defensive lineman on the field. Throw it and get the lead. And that's how you play them. But most people just don't do that. It's like last night. It drives you crazy. The Redskins are the worst two-minute team in the league. Just why won't we line up in two minutes? Belichick would have lined up in two minutes to start the game. Right. The Jags, I, I would say they would study the Sanchez-Jets playoff Pats game. That's their recipe. Right. Well, they got to turn the How did the Jets use Sanchez in that game? That's how you use Bortles. Right. Exactly. San, make, San, make it so Sanchez can't beat But Bortles you. isn't even as good as Sanchez. No, he's not. He's that's, like that's a poor the- <laughs> Sanchez. Who's that in the league? Uh, Jags are 30 to 1. Chargers 40 to 1. I mean, look, the Chargers. They're, they're, I would say they're the third best AFC team, even the, the with Chargers, the shaky coach. If Belichick changed sides at halftime of a Charger game, he yeah, probably would. You know, I mean, think about it. what would the Cowboys record be if Belichick was coaching I the think team? The Chargers are good. They are good. <laughs> it would be hilarious if they don't make the playoffs. Everyone else, I'm crossing off: Chiefs, Titans, Ravens, Bengals. Raiders, we the Chiefs. They're the Cowboys MVP line. race for Alex Smith. It's over. God, Chiefs are not a good team. Uh, we should mention you're on the Ring NFL show with Tate. Doing yep. uh, you do the Sunday nighters. We do Sunday night, and now we have Tate Frazier's hosting three and out. Yes, hosting a TV, hosting Tate, a show. We we are just working Tate like a drum. Look at him; he's all tired. <laughs> uh, before you go, you watch you watch Godfather one and two on Thanksgiving. Loved it; it was so good. When this time when you watched it, did you pick out anything? Every time I watch the Godfather, even though I've seen it 175 times, I always learn one new thing or or notice one thing that I never noticed. Uh, you know, I don't know. I fall you just in love know it with inside and out. I fall in love with different. Like I, like I always love Clemenza, but like sometimes, like this time, Clemenza's I, in, Clemenza's the. Uh, he's not the MVP of it, but he's like best supporting. I just like want to. I want more Clemenza when I'm watching. Clemenza's it. amazing. I want more. I want more Frank Pantangelia, and I want more Clemenza. <laughs> like to me, that's one of the unsung uh, greatest decisions ever made. Uh, Clemenza's actor did, re- refused to do the two. He wanted more money. And they replaced him with Frank Pantangeli, which was Frankie like, Five Fingers. I mean that that could it, could there have been a better replacement? I mean, way, other than Lou Gehrig replacing Wally Pip, I can't imagine of a better one. Can you? Tom Brady replacing Drew Bledsoe? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> How about not doing Godfather Two? Come on, know. Clemenza! How do you turn that down? Clemenza, what are you doing? How do you turn that? What down? are your other options? <laughs> what are you on like like an NBC hit sitcom? That was outrageous. I. uh 
I noticed the flaws. I was zooming in on it on Thanksgiving. Diane Keaton takes him back pretty fast there. Yeah, well. He goes to see her. She's a school teacher. Yeah. She's got like 25 kids. They're they're going heading to some park or leaving a park. He stops her. He she hasn't seen him in 5 years. He's got a he's got an entourage. She's got a He's got an the, entourage. Hasn't heard from him at all. I mean, they don't have mafia written on the side of the car, but it just it's, it's even implied. the kids knew he was mafia, right? Goes to Italy, married somebody else. Yeah. Never comes told back, her. Comes back, he's like, "Hey, Kay, uh you and I are meant to be together. Come with me." Within 3 minutes, just leaves the kids. She's wow. gone. She's getting in the car. Well, the movie like, was, what about your kids? The movies are only three hours long. <laughs> I got to have to condense everything in what there. What happened to the 25 kids? Did they, uh, how did they get home from the park? You know, probably the parent, they called the parents to pick them up at the school corner. I, I get that one. There's been that. a lot of horrible wives and girlfriends in movies that I love. And I think Kay Corleone's performance in Godfather 1 is, is the least redeemable performance by a female that i can yeah, remember I always, everything about her is terrible every scene with her she's terrible i always wanted like i always would it's like I, come on like, Kay. that's the one thing about the godfather i always feel like if 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 sunny would have lived or if michael could have come back with abalonia and like if things like right I, like, it's, a, it's a great what if movie yeah it's a great a lot what of what if yeah I like it's it. like, ah, they have to kill luca brazzi <laughs> yeah, 40 like, minutes in i could have used more luca you know yeah, like two more luca that, that's the thing i always say how's mike how michael would have been different if he would have been if if fabrizio wouldn't have killed his, his wife i i don't know sunny was destined to die yeah i think that was i mean that line comes out when when it was when, gonna happen when when uh when Vito Corleone says, I never thought Sonny was a great Don, God rest his soul. I know. He I mean, kind of killed was him. Like, that, was the, that was the kiss of death right there. <laughs> he, he definitely. I don't want my father saying, oh, he would have probably said, uh, you know, you'd probably, I never wanted my son to be a barber. He was probably right. <laughs> I did uh, my first year at page two on ESPN. I did a Red Sox column, end of the year awards for the 2001 Red Sox. And I used like 50 Godfather quotes and handed out the Godfather quotes. So I watched it and I was writing down because they didn't have like the internet. They didn't have yeah, all this didn't stuff have the quotes, online. Yeah. So I'm writing it and transcribing the quotes. I was like so deep in. Uh, it's it's just the best. It's for, it's, it's it's. I like one more than two, but I think I think I think two's probably a better movie. One's one's a little dated. Uh, it's a little slow. Like it, it's got a couple abrupt edits. I think Coppola knew what he was doing more with two. But don't you feel like but one's one, more entertaining? Don't you think one we could like have like in, in the, the the Godfather four where they actually went back and relived the fifties and yeah, like I, there's so much more before Vito gets killed that that could have been told a story. If Netflix said we're making we're turning Godfather into a series, Ugh. would you be okay with that? I'm or no? all, I would be all in. I would be all in. Can we can we agree that? The Italians are being underrepresented right now with with yeah, movies, I'm, TV. Yeah, I actually think like I, it's like Godfather, Sopranos, Bronx Tale. We've got bumped out Goodfellas, by the cartel. Casino. We've got and then we out. got what else do we have? Yeah, Nothing. We got, we got bumped out by the that's cartel. A, but it, we just that's why we're that's why we're watching the same five things over and over again. <laughs> I know. I mean, come uh, up with a new one. Sopranos I'm, hasn't been out for ten years. I know. I wish. I, I wish we could get something. I need a. I need another mafia something where I know I'm not supposed to be rooting for these guys, but I'm 100 percent rooting for them. That's yeah. what I want. I think that would be. I, I think we need something like that. By the way, right? comeback player of the year, Connie Corleone in Godfather Two. Really good, strong. Came really back. Really great. What, what? Really, family was important. Family, family first proved could, out. Right. Could have. 
could have uh, fallen apart after I mean, one. She went on the vacation on the Queen Mary and she came back. Uh, it was perfect. <laughs> so, I'm so, not your travel agent. Really? She, she sticks with Michael. She's like, when you killed my husband, I, I swore I wasn't going to forgive you. She but actually, now I'm here. Almost, I'm here to help and then, you. And, you know, not that three was any good, but she actually ends up being like a, his consigliere. Fredo's so weak. Oh, yeah. He loves you. He's so weak. That Don't scene, take this out on him. That scene. In, the Fredo kills me the most. Which We're going to have to do a rewatchables on The Godfather. I think we should. It might I, be seven hours. It could be a long time. I, I mean, but Fredo is sitting there with it, with that sweater, looking out over Lake Tahoe. He's such a loser. He's so bad. He's, he's, so he's just bad. such a loser. He should have shot him right there. You don't talk to a man like Mo Green like that. I told somebody at the Raiders, you have to put a plaque when they move to Vegas. You have to put a plaque in like a closet and just make it Mo Green. For Mark Davis? Yeah. <laughs> no, for Mo, Mo Green. Mo, Mo Green. He never had a plaque. They're not even going to honor his name. Mark Davis uh, as Fredo. Is... <laughs> no. Actually, I think Mark Davis has done a really good job. I don't think he's Fredo. They're you winning think, more. They're winning. He's like win... Michael? I don't know if he's quite Michael, but I think he's somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle. Maybe he's Connie. Yeah, <laughs> could be. <laughs> Poor Fredo. He's so weak. Oh, he's so bad. All right, Mike Lombardi, a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Uh, thanks to SeatGeek for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on NBA tickets. Use promo code BSNBA. Thanks to TheRinger.com. You can find my Eli Manning mailbag plus a whole bunch of other football stuff as well as the trailer for our Andre the Giant doc with HBO all on TheRinger.com. Don't forget about The Ringer Podcast Network. The JJ Reddick Podcast launched this week. Binge Mode returned this week. Thanks to Stamps.com. Remember, there's a better day, better way than dealing with the post office people. We love the post office, but you can just stay home. Use my code BS for this special offer from Stamps.com. A four-week trial plus postage plus the digital scale without long-term commitments. Go to Stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage. Type in BS. Stamps.com. Enter BS. Do it for the holiday season. All right, there you go. Great week on TheRinger.com. We'll be back on Monday with the cuz until then.